You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. Hey guys, welcome to the after laugh. I'm here with uh with my friend Ron G. Hey, what's up, bro? <laughs> How you doing, man? It's man. good. I've been asking you to do this for a while, so I'm glad uh-huh. that you uh, you drove all the way from Marina. Where no, I'm in Inglewood. Oh, Inglewood. Inglewood, man. I apologize. Uh, the last time I had to cancel because I was walking my puppy <laughs> and I got sidetracked, man. Yeah, how's that puppy going? Uh, she's kicking my butt. She's kicking your butt. You have to potty train. What's potty train mean when you have a puppy? Like, so I'm cage training her, and you uh-huh. let her stay in the cage overnight. So I usually get up at twelve, four, and eight to wake her up. And usually I don't do well. Once I break my sleep, like my sleep is... So four in the morning? Every day for like the last two weeks, getting up at four, 12, four and eight oh to God. go walk her. And yeah, it's just... And, and that's some, so she doesn't piss on the rug type of and thing. And sometimes when I take her downstairs, she's still sleepy. So she'll just sit there. And then I have like, to tug her a little bit like, come on, babe, come on, babe. And she'll sit there. And then she peed. And the other day... Uh, she want, she turned around toward the door like she wanted to go back upstairs. Okay, I'm on the third floor. And so we get back upstairs because I thought she was done. She boo-booed in front of my neighbor's door and I picked her up because I thought she was going to stop and she boo-booed all <laughs> the way down the hall. And I was like, oh, I got to clean up puppy poop oh, all man. the way on the carpet. And I was like, oh, oh this God, is stupid. <laughs> yeah, she wearing me out, man. And sit there and looked at me the whole time like, I love you, Dad. And I'm like, don't try to leak my face now. <laughs> Disrespectful. Don't that's do why, that. That's why God made these little babies and puppies so cute, just so you wouldn't kill them. They know what they on. do. Yeah. yeah, but I'm like, how can you spank somebody that looks just like you? She got my whole face. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, man. Um, so, you live in England. Now, England's been, all I hear from people who are in the real estate is blowing up. There's the new stadium That's there. a white term for gentrified. <laughs> yes. It has been gentrified. It's very officially gluten-free. Uh, when I first moved, Starbucks do we need in Inglewood? God damn it. We got four within a mile. Jesus and when Christ. I first moved there, there was only one. And I feel like they closed the one with all the bl- old black men playing chess. <laughs> they closed that one because the white people didn't want to walk through them and built one across the street that had a drive through And it magically uh, closed overnight. Oh, that's so fucked up. That's what happens, man. Yeah. But it's all good. When I first got my place in Inglewood, it was kind of frowned upon. And people were like, you live where? Why? But I loved it, man. I, I, I enjoyed it because it's right near the freeway, 10 minutes from the beach. Yeah. Like, I get to Hollywood. And also, if you travel, the airport's right there, too. That's why I bought my place. I got, I was, I'm pr- I got here before Uber. So yeah. asking my friends to take me to the airport was a headache, especially my friends that live in the valley. So, it's okay, like it was, ma- ma- remember back in the day when you had to ask your friends for can you uh, give me a ride? I lost so many friends. Like, can you take me? Because I was doing colleges too. Did you do the the college run? For a little a while? bit, not that much. I was never yeah. like the NACA guy. I feel like you would do well in NACA. Really? Uh, well, God, I like to piss people like off too much. Twenty year old Bill. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you would because what you do is you do the Disney set at the showcase, uh, and when yeah. you get there, you can turn up. Oh, really? You know what Still I'm though. Uh, that's what I've seen comics do. I I didn't. I was I was officially the Black History Month comedian. Hilarious. Do you still black- do colleges? No, no. I yeah. feel like my material's too grown now. Like, well, I just feel like colleges no longer are okay with people saying what they want to say. Like, if you even infringe on something that can be construed as a stereotype, yeah. You heard about that comic? Uh, I feel bad. I'm missing. I forget his name. What's He's that? a Middle Eastern comic. By the way, helicopters will go across. There will be crazy motorcycles. I saw that. You yeah, can't really right? pick it up on the um on the microphone. Uh, he was at Columbia University doing a show, mm-hmm. and he talked about. Um, I'm sure you'll like this joke. He talked about how being gay isn't a choice. He goes. He said, know, it "Is a choice." Or it's is, not a- it, he goes, "It's not a choice." <laughs> uh-oh. He said, "Uh oh." My thought was that was that was prevailing belief system right it's not a choice you're born that way right mm-hmm. 
as the Lady Gaga song says. But he goes, I know that because of because of black gay guys, because no no way a black guy is gonna look in the mirror in America and go, you know what? I should make my life even harder. Let me be gay. That is so funny. So funny, funny. That's freaking hilarious. They cut the mic. You lying? Columbia University, Progressive Liberal Arts College. They cut the mic. He couldn't. They dragged him off stage. They kicked <sighs> him off. I hate that, man. But I feel like if there's no malice behind it, to me, I feel like it's a teaching opportunity. For me, when somebody says something that you oppose, it's a teaching opportunity, depending on what you believe in, to yes. show somebody, hey, look, you might not believe in this, but this is what it is. You know what I'm saying? I grew up in the Bible Belt. My, you know, my dad is- Yeah, where, let's look at I'm from the South. I was born and you're from Georgia? I'm from South Carolina. I was South born Carolina. in South Carolina, but okay. you know, my dad is like, look, you can be a doctor, judge, astronaut, dinosaur, but you ain't going to be no- no sissy You know what I'm saying uh -huh. I grew up in that kind of environment sure. But when I moved to LA I had to learn like Oh it's different out here Like You know it's just different But for me I'm always on the side of compassion The older I get I'm like I'm all Like all the political stuff I don't care about that I care, I care about compassion yeah. The most political issues Are compassion issues And some people Are raised different And have different thoughts And are born different And for me I'm always about compassion man So Yeah So growing up Was your dad military Was he kind no, of No he's like, just an old just... black man From the south That's seen it all <laughs> That's it They like to drink And he has no filter My dad is amazing and He's still around Still kicking Oh it, yeah so. He's just amazing And reckless man Like yeah. my senior year in college I had a kid And I found out It wasn't mine and my dad was like, Wait, hold on. Senior in college. Senior year in college, I had a kid. A, girl, a, a woman you were dating. Young lady pregnant. Dating. So pregnant. you were there through the whole pregnancy. The whole time. And the baby came out. Yep. And was it that the baby didn't look like you at all? Or was it like, how did you know? It's a long story, but I'll try to give you the cliff notes. So the girl I was dating, uh, we were off. And I messed with this other girl. And apparently the other girl got pregnant. In college, I was a mess. I was, a mess. I was Greek. I was popular. Like the good-looking guy, you don't have to, you don't have to explain. I was, shut, I was shutting the city down. I was shutting the city down. So my girl was like, when we got back together, she was like, if that baby's yours, uh, you'll never see this baby because we kind of got together, and I remember the night we made a baby. And so the other girl, I feel like she slept with a bunch of guys around the same time, mm -hmm. and I was the best of the worst. Yeah. So uh, one day I was at my parents' house because I stayed at my parents' house my senior year, and I got a letter in the mail saying, hey, you need to show up for this paternity test. And I'm like, oh, shoot. And I told my dad, I said, Dad, uh, I got to take a paternity test. He was like, okay. I said, but I never slept with her unprotected. He was like, well, don't go. And I was like, okay, I won't go. And I, I didn't go. And I told one of my homies, I said, yo, man, same frat and everything. I was like, yo, this girl want me to take a test. He was like, that's crazy. I got to take the same test. C c pin that for a second because I took a paternity test too. I don't mm -hmm. know if I ever said this on stage. I used to. But they came to my house. Really? It's a white person thing, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> the parents did, or the paternity no, no, people. The, the paternity, like the guy came with like a, he looked like uh, that bureau adjustment bureau Matt Damon movie. You know how everyone so dressed funny with the fucking hats and the suits. He had a yeah. briefcase. He showed up, came in, opened the briefcase. He had the cotton swabs, cotton swabbed my mouth. They came to your house. Came to my apartment in New York. Yeah, this feels like cheaters, but like with paternity yeah it was it was fucking yeah. crazy so but for you you got a letter it was to come to uh, a paternity clinic. test or something like yeah, some kind yeah. of hearing or whatever that must have been pretty terrifying when you're uh, uh bro i was fresh out of school and i yeah. have meanwhile i have two kids on the way i have two kids on the way on the way right and you're not with See, either of these women neither one and the girl i'll say option b looked like me she big head light skin you know what i'm saying we had similar features <laughs> so when the kid came out everybody on campus was like yo that's your kid man that that little boy looked like you and i'm like yo like I never met the kid. I never slept with her unprotected. Like, what's happening with my life? I feel like yeah. the world was crumbling yeah. at the same time. And uh, I didn't take a test. And two weeks later, I got a letter saying, you're exempt from taking this test. And because I feel like whoever the dad was, like, 
he showed up and found out and the girl never apologized to my family anything and so my girl was still mad because she she's more concerned about you mess with that nasty girl why would you you know what i'm saying so yeah. she just always had a chip on her shoulder so i moved i finished school moved to atlanta and i had two jobs i feel like one was to pay my bills and the other one was to take care of the daycare stuff yeah. and i would drive home to south carolina every other week to go see my kid and in the, the uh the alternate weeks i would drive to her parents house which is in anderson south carolina which is an hour and a half from atlanta and i would show up at her mom's house and she'd be like well why are you at my mom's house? I didn't give you permission to come see my kid. And I'm like, why are you being weird? I'm trying to see my kid. Yeah. And every time I saw the kid, she would be like, I'm going to put you on child support. Every argument was, shut up before I put you on child support. And I'm like, I am being a good father. Yeah. And you're not giving me a chance to take care of my kid. And but my you parents, hadn't gone through the court system at this point. No, at all. she yeah. just, that was her big joke every time we argued. And so my parents used to watch the kid while she was in school. She had one more semester. And I came home one time. My dad, no filter. He's like, let me tell you something, son. Uh, me and your mama, we love that little baby in the house. But, um, that baby got a normal size head. I don't think that's your baby. Look at your head. Look at our hairline. We got a strong hairline in our family. Uh, that baby got a hairline like an old man. I'm not saying this ain't your kid, but you might want to take the test. You might want to take the test. And so I had to sneak and take a paternity test. So did you like sneak and like take a bing, take a hair off the, the, the uh, child's head? No, I took her to the lab. I, I, I had to watch her one day and I took her to the lab. and I So got, you did tell the, the, the mom. Nah. You took the kid. Hey, we're going. No. Nah. We're getting ice cream at this fancy medical clinic. No, nah, I had her and I took her to uh, get her mouth swab. And then uh, they mailed the results to the house. And I opened it up. And it said, you are 99.9% not the father. And my dad's response was, I heard they had a recall at the factory. (laughs) (laughs) That's what my dad said, man. And the crazy part was when I, she was crazy. And I had to go to her house and let her know because she was just always on me. Like, you're not a good dad. And she never said I was a good dad. And the only time she told me I was a good dad after I told her, this kid is not mine. She was like, you are a good father. I'm like, why would you wait till this to happen? To tell me that, and it broke my heart. Yeah, and you know when you watch uh, Jerry Springer and the guys like Amory Povich, and you like, that's my kid, no matter what anybody says. That was me. Yeah, I was like, I had a bond with her. I was like, yo, sure. she was nine months old. I wanted to take care and, of her. And you'd be, you'd been hanging out with her for the full nine months, bro. This is my little baby, man. Yeah. And then I got to a certain point where she was kind of. I think there was so much shame attached that she started being weird with my mom. You know what I'm saying? My mom was so attached to the baby too. And I was like, you know what? She needs to know who her real dad is. You know what I'm saying? And I yeah. think. Uh, she introduced her to her real dad, and he won't have nothing to do with her. And yeah, I broke my heart. I was like, "Yo, if you just shut up, like I would be a father," and I was cool with it. Like I just, I was trying to learn my life because my fear was, I'm fresh out of school, I'm giving a third of my check to one girl, a third of my check to another girl, a third in taxes. Why am I even going to school? Why did I yeah. go to college? That was my fear, and I'm like, my life is falling apart. But I asked God, "Yo, man, if you can just redeem my life, man, like whatever." That's when I feel like God was like always. He was always tugging at my heart. But that was the moment God was like, I'm going to let you do you. Whenever you're done doing you, come see me. And I said, God, if you can just make all this go away. Because another thing, too, when I moved to Atlanta, my auntie was like, hey, call me when you get here. My husband's in the military. We have a two-bedroom. He's uh, in Texas on duty. Call me when you get here. I called. She never answered the phone. So I have two kids on the way. Moved to a city I've never been to before. (laughs) Uh, She didn't answer the phone. I'm staying with my play cousin. And I was like, God, please remove all this. And then cut to... Uh, like three months later, man, I got my job, got my first job out of college, became an accountant, bought my own place. So your degree in, was in accounting in college? Yeah, finance and management. So finance I wanted to be in accounting. That was my first gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah man. Awesome. I know. I started out with a lot of drama. That was heavy for the first yeah. question, but that's my no. Life. That's oh, dude. It's fucking amazing. That's what makes that's what makes great artists, in my opinion, yeah. and good people too. You know what I mean? Right. The fact that 
God, that's crazy. There were two women, and both of them had children that weren't yours. And I hated still, my hometown. I just hated. It. I just I wasn't getting yeah. along with my parents. You know, everybody on campus was like, "That's your kid," and I just felt like it was just me against the world. And I didn't like that feeling, man. Yeah, that's like the day after I graduated, I left. I was like, I can't be here anymore, and I moved away. But I do believe, like you said, it's the like the boarding pass for like becoming great because most people they know me being a nice guy, but they don't know who I was before. Yeah, I became this guy. They're like, "Oh, Ron G's a nice guy." But like, yeah, man, I used to be—I won't say I was a dick, but I was a firecracker, you know. Sure. But God changed my heart, and I was like, "Yo, I just want to be better." So, that's why my path is wow. like—I'm passionate about relationships. I'm passionate about dude. Like, when you talk about relationships, like that's my thing. Like, if you hear me talk my set, my whole set is—I made so many mistakes. I want to help people with personal growth and finding your person. Like now, yeah. it's like I'm married to the woman that I chose. I met her. At the Laugh Factory. I oh, that's her. crazy. That's she came my, to a show just randomly? Bro, my friend threw me an alley-oop. was like, yo, you need to, y'all need to meet. And she wasn't paying me no attention looking for her sister. And I was like, yo, I like you, man. I like your face. And she was like, what? I said, I like your face. I said, let me get your number. And she gave me her number, and I texted her that night. And she was like, I'm going out with my friends to smoke hookah. I was like, cool. And I wanted to talk to her, and I wanted to talk that night. And then later on, she said I was thirsty. I was like, but how am I thirsty but I'm practicing the habits of a good man who's pursuing you because if I do that now we're married and take a day off it's a problem but yeah I I'm country like if I like you I like you you're not gonna tell me to wait three days because that's some rule in your head that doesn't it's not in a book yeah you knew I like you you know what I'm saying that's so so that's so funny too because yeah it's like used to be like if you like someone you just went for it now it's like you're thirsty you're thirsty how am I thirsty because I'm pursuing you it's freaking weird the first time I I think I might have met your wife once before the first time I remember I think I talked to her was at Oakland Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. I was at the bar and you were on stage and you were like one of the only comics who was killing. <laughs> it was that. like the, it was like the first the I first Oakland that. show. Yeah. Maybe they've improved it since I don't know, but um, just acoustically is weird. But you were, you were killing, and I and I said something like I was like so this woman's next to me and I I don't not really look I just there's an attractive woman I go yeah. oh man Ramsey's funny and she goes that's my she says she goes that's my nigga right there and I go what. I go, oh shit! That's so I was funny. like, that girl's funny. Yeah, my wife is hilarious, man. Um, yeah, so I uh, just, so I've always admired you, man, because I, I like how you stay in the pocket. Like you, I feel like you do it on purpose, <laughs> but you're like this. You're so disruptive on purpose, but you stay in the pocket and you're true to it. And I like it because you don't, you ain't be tap dancing, you ain't freestyling, trying to pop lock it. Like you just go on stage and do your thing, man. Is that because you grew up around just a bunch of different types of people, or you play sports? Like I know you had a joke about. Well, I know we talk about that. I mean, it's funny because like you know how comedy, it's like. It's like ninety percent true. So I, I do the joke. I go, my high school was seventy percent black, thirty percent terrified, and I talk about <laughs> being the only great joke. the only white guy in an all black football team. The truth is, my high school is sixty five percent black, mm-hmm. and I, there were two white people in my football team. Right, you and somebody like, else. Yeah, me in the center. That's so funny. <laughs> what position did you play? Well, I was I was a kicker. I go because every team <laughs> is a kicker, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Okay, Played soccer as a kid. They said I was a kicker. <laughs> yeah, my exactly. boy, come here. I was also kicker. a wide receiver, but I wasn't like I wasn't particularly good. Yeah, you know? I was like they would when they had did running routes. They put me in to be a wide receiver. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I, mean? Um, I mean I was okay. I wasn't mm. great, but my high school at one point, TC Williams was number three in the nation. Yeah, so they were great. Um, yeah, it's you know it's a it's a whole joke that I completely. Yeah believe in and talk about is like hey yeah you know i couldn't compete like black people are better athletes maybe that sounds racist or not but like that was just my experience all growing up in public schools yeah outside dc is like i just was never going to but you navigated well when i see you perform like i've seen you actually i've never seen you perform an all-white crowd before which i would love to do <laughs> i would we've love done like well i guess long beach isn't all white but we've done like no, laugh factory long beach is pretty diverse yeah but i'm true. saying like a mainstream night like i know you'll rock it anyway but i feel like you'll make 
white people with no black friends uncomfortable. <laughs> I feel like they'll be like, should I laugh? And I'll probably be like, it's okay to laugh. That's Bill. Like, you're good, man. Yeah. Well, I definitely... Was that was that planned? Like just because you grew up around different? Because I well, I, you, you know, I mean, and this it's funny. I haven't talked about this. I'm supposed to be interviewing you, but um, I, but when I was in school, like the the biggest compliment I would ever get, yeah. would be if some black woman was like, "You stupid." That was like, oh man, I made because because like a lot of these black women in my high school, they didn't want to laugh at me. So if I like did a pratfall or did something goofy or yeah. made a face or a voice, and they laugh, they the first. You stupid! So I was like, oh, I, I cracked it. You yeah. know what I mean? I I, I cracked her because she didn't want to like me at all. Black then, people compliments are like the most disrespectful thing. Like you stupid, <laughs> you retarded, you dumb. I don't know what to do with you. Yeah, but then once you once you do an urban show and you hear that, like, oh man, that's the best. That's the best feeling because it's they're not the easiest to come by. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, th- there's two types of white crowds, which I'm sure you know about. There's the white crowd that's like we're supportive. The comics, <laughs> they laugh at everything. they laugh at everything, and, and the other comics are like I'm here to be offended. Yeah. So you better not be one of those people to offend me, right? You know, and I feel like it's getting more and more of that. But I agree. I do want to hear about. Um, so yeah, so my whole thing was growing up in, in that uh, very very diverse. I never really thought that it was, um, and you know how it was in, in, in high school and stuff. You people made fun of everybody. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I there was no comp- if I made a joke that was quote unquote racial. Or a joke about a black person, a joke like they would make a jokes about me as a white person. Of course, like, yeah, yeah. Go yeah. home, eat your tuna. But then casserole. your family, once you're when they once they give you a nickname, like you're part of the family, and yeah. then you have range. But if you don't have a nickname and you showing up cracking jokes, they're like, no, don't do that. Yeah, fam. one of the things I I, I definitely I think uh, I learned from Chuck Sunday too, and you kind of taught me this too. Is like I, I'm not a very social guy, mm-hmm. so I would show up and do my set and leave, mm-hmm. and I think it was rubbing people the wrong way because I show up and do like a lot of jokes about race and then leave. Yeah. People are like, is this guy a fucking racist or is he like? Yeah. But it was never. It was always just like, I always wanted to be invited to the Chuckle Sunday after party, and yeah. I never was. But I should have just gone. You should have just gone. Yeah. Because yeah. like just, for me, again, I'm by compassion and heart. Like I feel like you're never malicious, and I like the fact that you at least come by consistently versus like, hey, I would love to do that room, that that urban room. I want to <laughs> do that. I hate comics like that. Like even you said the N word referencing my wife, and I'm like, I know your intent. Your intent is like. You weren't trying to be, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. sometimes because people, what you said to me it was so fucking funny. And my how wife else do I impart it by saying? My wife is. Hysterical. And she said, "That's my, you know." Yeah, you don't have to say it again. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, man, I just it's a compassionate heart. Like I feel like you're not malicious, and again, you you stop by the house. You don't just show up and piss on the crowd and leave. And that's what I don't like because I I love that room. I protect that room, and that's important. Yeah, so of course. Me, yeah, it's 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 the to me it's the standard of of course black excellence in L.A. because I want everybody to in feel the at country. Home. You know what I'm saying? I want everybody to feel at home. Yeah, and you do there. a great job of that. Thank you. And man. if people listen to this podcast, you've never gone to Chocolate Sundays. I mean, it's it, at this point, it's a legendary promotion in LA. Yeah. And Ron has taken the helm of it for the past how many years? Uh, I think it's six. Six years? It yeah, probably, probably longer than that. But I, I hosted, I co-hosted with Donnell Rollins and with Esau. And Donnell Rollins went to my high school, by the way. Really? Yeah, he went to DC Williams. And what city is that in? It's Alexandria, Virginia. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, yeah, yeah. Of, some of that I don't remember. I just remember. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember. I just and also one of the things that back to like my first girlfriend was was uh, was a black. I can make that joke. Oh, she still is. I've checked her face. But anyway, <laughs> she was black, and my dad is like, this is like a joke I did in the last Zoom Chocolate Sunday show, which is true. Is my my dad's a Trump supporter, my brother's a cop, and my mom's name is Kara. Oh, that's a honky hat trick, but that's yeah. true. Like, I had a black girlfriend with a Republican dad who was actually a great man and a nice guy. That's just that's how he was raised. You know yeah. what I mean? He was Generation. conditioned that way. To find a white guy over fifty that's not racist or a little bit racist, I would be surprised. Yeah. So 
he was, Bill, it's against the Bible to be with the literally. I guess they brought that. the Bible into it? Yeah, he said it was against the Bible to be with the races. Tower of Babel, God separated the races. He was, this was years ago, right? Mm. And um, then he would have, then she would come to football games or soccer games, and people would look at my dad, my mom weird, and he got protective of her, and then he realized, oh shit. So he he got to learn as an older man about it. And I definitely think like the the, racial issues in america have always been complicated and it's weird it's like pandora's box because it feels like once you feel like you're solving something you've opened up 20 more issues which is where we are right now in america i mean mm-hmm. I, I definitely want to get back to your your past but how do you feel like right now as a black comic who represents mm-hmm. sort of like one of the biggest promotions for urban black comedy yep and do you do you like urban comedy you like that phrase urban comedy I hate that phrase yeah that phrase Uh, for me I'm a clean black comedian I don't announce it but there's no crowd I can perform in I perform for kids crowds college Mm -hmm. corporate hood rooms like mainstream I can do whatever but I feel like sometimes people are lazy just humans we're lazy in general and things that you don't take time to get to know you put it in a box to help you understand it Yeah, and that's what Racism is. Hey, young lady, how you doing? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, that's it's what just racism is. Just being lazy, getting to know, instead of humanizing and getting to know people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So do you feel, like you said, you have a duty to the club. You're like, I protect this place. It's like yep. my home. So also as, as, a, as a black comic in a black room, in one of the biggest black rooms, yep. um, what do you feel as an obligation in terms of, as just a black man in the community and a black man, like, in terms of everything that happened with BLM and everything? That must have been an interesting time for you as well this past summer. Yeah, summer was weird because one, we locked in the house and I got called the N word twice in my own home. What? It was the weirdest feeling ever because I'm thinking, okay, nobody's outside. Like, I'm, I'm safe. I won't get shot by a cop because I can't go nowhere. Man, I'm in the house. I'm on a Zoom call. This is like when Zoom first started popping. Oh, and people were trolling. I got, I got Zoom bombed. I was on a, a, a conference call. We were doing uh, my podcast. We called the Two Piece Podcast on personal growth for men. And while this happened, uh, I heard somebody said, "You're a nigger," and I was like, "What?" And it said, "You're a nigger," and it, and it, it started it started multiplying. You could hear it like twenty different times, twenty different inflections. And then on the screen, they started hanging black. There was a pictures of black people getting hung that came on the screen, and you couldn't stop it. It was so overwhelming, you couldn't do it. And like everybody on the meeting was traumatized. And we had to log off, and we was like, "Yo, we can't, we couldn't even finish it because it was just so weird, and it felt so uncomfortable." And this was like. When Zoom first started popping, yeah, right around George Floyd, right around holy shit, all that like it was just weird. I was like, okay. Then cut to that same week, uh, I am putting a screen in my window. I'm on the third floor, and I hear somebody scream. I go to my balcony. I look down. It's a dude under a car. I don't know if he got hit by a car or fell under. I don't know what happened. I look down. I say, "Are you okay, bro?" And he was like, "F you, nigga." And I was like, "What?" He was uh, under a car, and I think he was mentally <laughs> ill. Of course, and he was yeah. trying to stop his mom from like leaving or something. Like he was on top of the car. It was real dramatic. Everybody in both buildings started looking down. Like it was just real dramatic. And I was like, "Yo!" And then the George Floyd thing happened, and I was like, "All this is happening from the comfort of my own home." Like literally, yeah. black people get, don't get any days off. So for me, like I said, most of our country's issues is not political. It's compassion. Yeah. And again, people just live lives that you don't understand. Like I'm not. You know, I'm not gay or anything, but I have friends that are gay, and I'm like, they live lives that I don't understand, and I want to understand, and I have compassion because, you know, to tell somebody you're going to hell because of this, but then you're sleeping with somebody before you marry, like it's all, there's no big sin, little sin, like it's compassion. You know what I'm saying? You love them, people, and the more you love them, they want to know about you and your beliefs or whatever. So, 
for me, man, it's just, it was just a weird time and it felt so overwhelming and I really had to unplug from social media because every day, literally, you'll see a black person get killed on camera to where it's normal. But if you yeah. fake kick a dog on Instagram, they will take your page down. Like, if you fake kick, like, you don't have to kick a dog. If you just fake swing your leg and then go black and hear, <laughs> like, they'll take your page down for fake kicking a dog. But then you Jeez. see a black man get shot every day and it's like so normal to the, you like, oh, another day. Yeah. You know, so, so what do you do in that situation? Do you feel because obviously as a comic and you you were doing comedy throughout, you never stopped. I mean, I feel like Chocolate yeah. Sunday was when the promotions that just kept going. There was maybe a few weeks off, mm -hmm. and you guys kept. You obviously took it as a as a sort of mandate to yeah. really keep it going, and make people laugh, and make mm -hmm. people feel like there was a community they could yeah. engage with. So what like what else did you kind of do or or feel? Did you? I just imagine like you're a strong black man. It must have been a really tough time because because as as a, as a white guy, I I I can like oh yeah, I'm with you, and I would go on the marches, but mm -hmm. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I have to know, I have to admit yeah. that I don't know. I can only say hey man, I just I don't want to get in the way, and yeah. I want to help. That's yeah. the best. But I But you're do. one of the people that actually are you care. Your heart is open, and you want to know. That's half the battle. That's compassion. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because I even realize even as a man that women go through so much stuff oh, dealing dude. with guys. Like somebody has to watch them walk to their car or, you know, the stuff that women do to check their backseat, make sure nobody is following them, all that stuff. And I'm like, I'm I have a privilege as a man to not have to worry about that. Yeah. Or I've seen girls get cursed out because they said, no, I'm not interested. I have a husband or a man and they get cursed out. And for me to be it would be inconsiderate to like know that women do that and be like, oh, no, you're just complaining. Yeah, that's equivalent to Black Lives Matter. Oh, you're just complaining uh, as a woman. Yeah. Like, no, it's like it's compassion. I want you to feel safe. Yeah, you you're entitled to feel safe in this world, to walk through this world and reject the guy and feel like you can make it home alive. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, Absolutely. Again, it's a compassion issue. I feel like this year and truly quarantine, two of the things that because you can know things. I'm looking then, for this book by the way. I'm not ignoring. Oh no, it's totally cool. It's totally cool. You can know things and then you can like know things. So you can know things and then you can like really viscerally understand and get things. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Because I used to, you know, I'm a guy and I've dealt with some. We've obviously had our share of crazy mm -hmm. women or women that have treated us poorly. Yep. So, um, and that that helps with comedy too because comedy is not, I mean, obviously you do nice comedy, but obviously comedy is also about taking some people down. The human experience. Yes, the human experience. And as your man, sometimes you're going to have to take down a woman, uh, someone <laughs> that you used to date, an ex or whatever Okay, explain it is. take down. What do you mean take down? <laughs> what I mean is just kind of like, you know, I do this joke that I know pisses off a lot of women. Oh, where got you, yeah. I took her on a date. She was a girl boss and owned businesses and was strong and powerful and independent. 2020 modern woman and the check shame, she came old-fashioned 1950. You know, like this selective <laughs> feminism, like right. equal work, equal pay, pay for your own drinks. Wait, what? No. Yeah, I'm you can't do that when it's convenient. I believe if you're old school, be old school. Do it at all yeah. times. You like know feminism saying? has gotten very slippery. If you talk about how slippery feminism becomes, the different waves of feminism, women can, can take umbrage to it. And... You know, and I, I like dropping the C word if it's a good joke. I just, you know, I've never, I've never, I've never cared for saying the N word or, or the F word even. Yeah. But the C word just, it just feels good. Just, yeah. It sits, yeah. and it's a great, it's a great phonetic word for, you know, for some punchlines. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. You know, I know, so I know, so evil. I don't know because I don't think I'm a bad guy, but like, like I, like I do this joke about. But you set the tone, though. I feel like as a comic, like Patrice O'Neill was great at it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you set the tone, this is who I am. And they fall in love with you. Like, again, you're super likable. If you were not likable and did that, <laughs> it would be a problem. But you're actually likable, and you set the tone, like, I'm going to say some reckless stuff. And once you set it up front, 
and say your why, your backstory for, look, my parents messed me up. They jacked me up. This yeah. is what I am. And then you get permission as a comedian. But if you never say it and you act like you're better than everybody and you lead with pride and ego, yeah, then sure. it will tank and people will hate you. Yeah. you. Yeah. It's all, it, by the way, I, I'd like to talk to you more about this next time I do because <laughs> I definitely find that sometimes, sometimes I find that and sometimes I feel like, yeah, I didn't come across. I came across exactly what you said, and I don't want to do that. Yeah, all you gotta do is mention why you're jacked up. If you <laughs> yeah. mention your junk up top, like, because I talk about church people a lot. I was raised in church, but I'm like, yeah. yo, church people are the worst. Church people, but you have to include yourself and say I'm a part of it, so mm -hmm. I can talk about it. But if you say yeah. these are these people and then talk about them, then you come across as oh, you think you're better than you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So you I do want to get that. back to so you were you grew up church. So your your father, you talk about your father, your your mother. Are they still together? Yeah, my parents still together. They uh celebrating 50 years Whoa. uh in March, man. Wow, that's amazing, man. Yeah, functionally dysfunctional. Of course, of course. I mean, that's the best you could have, you could hope for, right? I love them to pieces. That's what they do, man. But yeah, that's their life. And so your mom's very much a church person too. She went to church, but we didn't stay. Like we left after offering. We're that kind of Christian. Okay. Like we yeah, we were the we did communion because we want the bread and the wine. Then we left. Yeah, it wasn't no vacation Bible school and hanging out, going to, you know, children's church. Like, no, I stayed with there with my mom. I would fall asleep on her lap, play with my toys, and yeah. she'd wake me up, and i put my money in the offering plate, and we left. You know what I'm saying? But it yeah. wasn't until I mentioned that issue of having two kids and finding it wasn't mine, that's when God became real to me. That's when, I'm like, yeah. I had my own relationship. Like, God, okay, I see what you're doing. This mm -hmm. is my mission. So now, the guy you see now, I'm more concerned about my legacy than ego and stuff like that. And something that's just been on my heart lately, man, I feel like... The dynamic of a man, you have to learn how to be a lion and a lamb. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you literally have to learn how to be, like, I, and outside your home, you have to be a lion. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you have to be a lion. But when you have a lady and you have a kid, you have to be a lamb. And you got to know how to navigate through that because you can't bring lion home, but they still got to know the lion is there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And navigating that as a man is the thing that determines your legacy. Because sometimes you can mismanage that. And one mistake of being a lion at the wrong time, your legacy is done. And nobody cares about what you were trying to do. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Absolutely. But that's a lifelong lesson. Absolutely. And nobody this, teach you how to do it. I had this discussion yesterday with, uh, with someone about when the Dalai Lama came to New York, a think tank got together and said, what can we ask the Dalai Lama? What's the question that we really need to answer? And they were like, how do we reconcile the American Western manifest destiny, go for it philosophy with go with the flow? It's the same kind of idea. You want to go for it. You also want to go with the flow. And it really just kind of depends on the situation. But I always think about that particularly if, you know, if I'm going to be new dad. Um, like I hear about all the transgender stuff too. And that's something, again, you want to be compassionate. And you also want to be fair. And sometimes those things can collide with each other too. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because um, I had a daughter and... You know, playing sports. If if I'm like, if my daughter wanted to be a great athlete and she had to compete against transitioning <laughs> kids in mm -hmm. high school, which is a thing, mm -hmm. she's not going to win any of those sports. I mean, I, the joke I do is like, you know, I don't believe, I don't think that there should be transgender sports in high school. Mm -hmm. I say like, I wasn't even a fan of transracial sports. I ran track. I was always fourth place. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I couldn't outrun a black guy yeah, in track. Yeah, yeah. I know people say that's well, you're being. I'm like, that was my fucking experience, <laughs> man. I don't know what to tell you. I, don't, yeah, I wasn't yeah, losing yeah. to the white guys. Okay, yeah. so um, I was a fast for a white guy. But anyway, it, it's so I think about that all the time. Like, if you're gonna have kids, bring them into the world. Like, the world is everything is so slippery right now about where yeah. things land. But you teach your kids about being clear, man. I want to teach my babies about just being clear about who you are. Yeah. That's all that matters. And have your love and your heart big enough to uh, learn how to pivot no matter what. 
Yeah. As a black man, I'm taught to learn how to pivot no matter what happens. Like, as much anger I feel in my heart sometimes about racism and stuff like that, I can't walk around with that on my heart because it'll affect my comedy. Affect Absolutely. Else. You know what I'm saying? Now, I do want to get, because obviously going from being an accountant to being a comic is not something that, <laughs> not everyone's journey. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of the really great comics, it was never just like, hey, I want to be a comic at age five. Nah. There, there was a transition. Again, a nah. pivot. So where was the moment where you're at the cubicle with the necktie <laughs> and you got on stage? Uh, so my mom groomed me. My, my parents groomed me to be a comedian. Like my dad, no filter. Everything was funny. Mom, the same way, the older she got, the funnier she got. But I remember when I was a kid, I used to sit at her bed on Friday nights and we would clean the house up and we sit at her bed and I watched Def Jam. And oh, I wow. could quote every single comedian because I loved it so much. And I just, that was her... Sowing a seed. She didn't know it. Hey, Mia. Mia. It's all good. That's my neighbor, Mia. It's all good. She's a lovely distraction. It's all good. Uh, But uh, she was sowing a seed, and I fell in love with comedy. I just realized, like, I had my buddy named Leon. He was, like, my best friend as a kid. And every time I would go over his house, he would be so animated and make the whole room laugh. I'm like, I like that. And as I got older, I realized I had this gift, man, where when I told a story, I would become the person. People would surround you and listen yeah, to you. Yeah, like, you know, I could be like, yo, the girl was like, because I did a TED Talk about this with kids. And I, the, oh, wow. The TED Talk was called Making Your Weirdo Work For You. So all the title. things that made me weird as a kid now make me money. And when yeah. I was a kid, I used to tell a story, and it was a girl named uh, Fifi. I used to like, uh, on the bus, school bus, and I used to play with her, and I used to play in her hair. And she's like, will you stop? And I would touch her hair, and she's like, will you stop, boy? And she punched <laughs> me in my chest. And I remember I wanted to cry, but I told the story to somebody, and I became her, and everybody just stopped and just looked at me like, and I was like, what am I supposed to do with this energy? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> then I got older. My parents, I was the baby too. My mom like, get out my face. Babies watch how TV. many? Uh, two. I have an older sister. She's okay. eight years older than me. Okay. And so um, I used to watch TV. And my mom was like, get out my face, go watch TV. And so when I watched TV, I would watch these characters and people on TV. And I'm like, oh, I can do that voice. So the baby is weirdos. Usually the baby's like, you talking to yourself and you having a party in your head and nobody's around. Yeah, having yeah. a ball. And, you know, I, I could do voices. So... You know, you grew up around black people. We used to roast each other. Oh, God. But I your mama do, jokes on the bus after the games? Bro, but I used to learn how to do the voice of the person who was roasting me, and I would roast them with their own voice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the point now, I remember I saw Obama on TV. I was like, yo, wouldn't it be cool to go to the club and walk up on a girl like, no, no, first of all, as I look in those big brown eyes, I got to tell you, that's, that's pretty impressive. Now, what I'd like to do is release a dating stimulus package of uh, we'll cover three. You know what I'm saying? And so I was like, I got this gift. And so now all that weird stuff made me money. But the moment I got on stage was uh, I moved to Atlanta and I went through what I call the quarter life crisis where you go to yeah. school for something, but your heart tell you something different, but you don't know what it is. You just, yeah. I just know I can't be counting numbers for the rest of my life. It was stupid. I'm like, y'all like doing this. You stay an extra four hours at work and they give you a hamburger and you start all over next month. I said, I can't do this, man. And so I got fired from my first job. My cousin was a comic in Atlanta, and it was Apollo night, uh, which was uh, in Atlanta on Sunday nights, and it was a room full of dope dealers and strippers. That's yeah. it. And my cousin was a comic, and I saw him get through it. It was the most hostile room ever because they dope dealers and strippers. Like, they came oh, yeah. to boo you. And yeah. so my cousin- And it's Apollo night, too, which bro, in New York was legendarily hard. Man, I watched three people get booed before me. And my cousin was like, man, you funny. Go up there. I had one joke and it was terrible. And <laughs> Do you the remember joke, the joke? <laughs> yeah, my cousin gave it to me. He, I said, hey, man, dating is expensive. Yeah, my girl asked me to take her out. So I shot her. <laughs> I'm just playing. I stabbed her because guns cost too much. 
By the way, <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have the delivery though. <laughs> boo! But the boo was okay. I can handle the boo. But yeah. then they told me to kill myself, and that was <laughs> the kill myself is what got to me. And Ooh. while I'm sitting there. Uh, they turn the music on me, and I'm like, "Do I run? I've never been booed before." <laughs> and uh, it's this your first time. My first time ever. How many be- people in the audience here? It's crowded, like almost uh, probably 150 people. That's crazy, man. Uh, they told me to kill myself, and then <laughs> while I'm, the music came on, then the music stopped, and I heard a boo grenade. The whole back row, everybody at the same time was like, <laughs> "Boo!" And I'm like, "Oh, this feels terrible." Then the host came up, like, "Man, Ron G was terrible." Boo! Wait, y'all gonna boo his name? Run, boo, G, boo, run, G, boo. And I'm still sitting in the room. And I was like, this is terrible. And I looked at my my cousin, and he was like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and it was the most painful thing ever. So I left a little early because I didn't want to catch the, the walkout, everybody oh, leaving yeah. out. I left early, and I was walking to my car, and this guy was like, hey, little nigga, you ain't going to never be funny. And that was back when I cursed. I was like, F you. And he was like, F you, get you killed. And I walked to my car, and I was like, you know what? Let me just mind my business. <laughs> but I fell in love, and I'm like, I'm supposed to do this, and I just yeah. kept going back because when you know when you when you are starting out in comedy, and you I don't, are you you're not from here, so when you first move to LA, you like man, all these people are way better than me. But then when you start doing it, you like you know what? You're not funny to me. You're just more confident than me. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I watched the cast who were in front of me, and I'm like, I, I I played football, so I had this hunger. I had that dog where I'm like, I'm gonna figure this thing out. And yeah. so I went back less than six months later. And I, I got down. I did a full, probably like seven to ten minutes in that wow. same hostile room. I actually stopped cursing too because I got saved right around the time. I stopped cursing. Yeah. And I won. And I was like, okay, like this is something. Like I really love what I do. So you you won the the night, the competition. No, what? no. I just went back and I didn't get oh, booed. Okay. Because yeah. just getting through not being booed for a comic in Atlanta was a thing. Of course, yeah. Because it was hostile. They had hostile rooms there. They legendarily would, hostile. They yeah. would. I had a, we did a room, me and Byron Bowers, we did a room, they pass out Nerf balls to the crowd. <laughs> they would give the crowd Nerf balls, and if you were not funny, they would throw Nerf balls at you. Or, they would shake keys. Oh, or, wow. or they would play, um, is it Jeffrey Osborne? Uh, it's a song, I did my best, but my best wasn't good, <laughs> while you're performing. Oh like, that's God. the kind of environment I started in. Yeah. With the TVs on, and bar environment, so... That's why I perform the way I do because you can't kill me. I'm yeah, already dead yeah. out here. You're not booing. Yeah, that's why I go for it. Like you can't stop that's me. That's gonna make a monster, bro. Gonna, like yeah. you're not gonna if you don't boo me, you can't stop what I'm doing. So yeah, that's the environment I was in. But that How was the beginning. How long did you do that that sort of room and that that club? I did it for like maybe a year, but then I couldn't talk. I feel like every time I try to talk, because this is what I learned, especially like in mainstream rooms. I feel like white comics are allowed to develop their thoughts and their feelings. You can say, hey, so I woke up this morning, I had a bagel, I played with my dog, and I can blah, 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 and then white crowds listen. I'll try to joke about that eventually, but not tonight, and people right. laugh at that. Yeah. Like, oh, that one didn't work. <laughs> Black crowd, you got to get to it. So yeah. I, don't, I feel like you don't have the opportunity to develop your feelings and stuff like that. So I start going to this more mainstream room called Twisted Taco, and I got a chance to develop my act and you know finally get my words out, and I like got funny really fast, because yeah. I was in an environment where I could cultivate it. I wasn't you know? constantly trying to survive, yeah. Man, but I, I, I took off within first eight months i got my first standing ovation and that was it and then you know you know know rt right yeah rt and i we started around the same time and i said i'm moving yeah i just felt something told me to move to la and i moved here and i came on a visit i visited la i won this comedy competition and i visited and i came here and i performed at the laugh factory and i was like i'm moving yeah and i didn't look back was your first show at the laugh factory was it chocolate sundays chocolate sundays first impressions uh i think so because my 
a buddy of mine from my church in Atlanta was cool with Chris Spencer, and he okay. put in a call for me, and this is my just visiting, and I got on, and I had a chance to perform, and I was like, yo, like. This is crazy. And just to perform in bars and then come to the Laugh Factory, yeah. little country boy, I'm like, yo, this is incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I fell in love. I was like, yo, this is it. And then so Pookie saw you and Pookie's like, you're my, you're my next guy. You're my guy. So Pookie told me the story of why he chose me. Yeah. And he told me in front of a bunch of other comics and it made me feel like so embarrassed, but I was proud too because he was like, I was watching you for a long time. And he said, I challenge you. He said, sometimes, he said, one time I put you up after Earthquake, you did well. Oh, yeah. I put you up before D-Ray, you did well. I put you up after D-Ray, you did well. And after that, I was like, yo, you built for this. And he gave me a chance. And I remember when I first got that room, I was so scared because I was trying to do my, I was doing closers the whole time because of I was course. like, yo, I got to do great. Like, I'm following Tony Rock and Donnell Rollins. I got to do great. But then after a while, I had to like settle in and make it my own, you know? But you don't know that because, you know, one time my agent came and she was like, why is every comic talking bad about you? And I was like, I don't know. Because I think everybody wanted that spot. And of they course, were like, how did you get it? You know, I didn't, yeah, I didn't know. Course. But now it's like, that's it my does, baby. It doesn't help that you're like young and good looking and shit. Yeah, people are like, fuck this yeah, guy. But yeah, but that's my baby. So yeah. now it's like, that's my room. You can't do what I do in that room. And even if I'm not there, they can have other hosts. But the energy that yeah. I bring is literally how my parents are. I tell you, my parents, my parents are reckless. If you meet my parents, they, you, I invite you over. They'll curse each other out. Like your friend Bill, <laughs> Bill, white boy. You want something to eat or not? You want some sweet tea? Get you something to eat. You know what I'm saying? That's how. And I bring that to the stage where even if you don't think I'm the funniest, you're gonna have a good time and you're gonna talk about me because I talk about relationship stuff. I'm gonna be in yeah. your business. I'm gonna be in your head, and you're gonna you're gonna have a good time. Yeah. Now you said you made it when you got saved. You made the transition to be clean. I'm curious about because a lot of people also, if you don't know Ranji's comedy, and you will soon, because you're also one of these guys. I don't want to call it now, but I'm gonna call it 2020 is gonna be your year. 2021 is your year, Ranji. It's the fucking year, dude. I'm telling you, man. I have I'm to not know wrong about that. this shit. I have to know why you say that. Just curious. I just have a feeling, man. It's intuition because you, you got you got everything. You got the talent. There is a cultural shift in America that's happened in entertainment. And um, I think you you bridge the gap culturally for all sorts of different demographics. Like you are a black voice, an important black voice, and a clean black mm -hmm. voice, which TV needs. Mm -hmm. And you are also a voice that can that is very relatable for everybody, all races. Um, not to be like, oh, you're safe for white people. Nothing <laughs> like I don't mean like yeah. that. Like. Yeah. But I mean, like you're you're someone who because you are edgy and you're clean and edgy, which Thank is very friend. rare. Not a lot of people can be clean and edgy. Yeah. I mean, I, I always joke with my friend like there's the three, there's a Venn diagram. There's like the dirty comic, the clean comic, and the personal comic. Mm -hmm. And the Venn diagram when you put them in the middle, mm -hmm. the CPK killer, right? Clean personal. <laughs> the CPK killer. That's funny. The clean personal what the fuck was the thing no it's like clean clean personal, personal. and killer or, uh, or what, i forget what maybe, maybe it's clean personal yeah. oh it's fine that's so funny clean personal and like whatever but like you're you're all three right yeah and uh and that's very rare yeah thank as you, a matter of fact people could probably see your set and not even realize that you're being clean i never announce it yeah because when i announce it people listen for the curse words yeah so I, I try not to do it but i know that's my gift that's my specific gift and this one i knew I, it made sense because when i first started I used to curse all the time because I came up under the comic view. Sure. I didn't know any better. Everybody in my life cursed. And I got saved. And this older comic named Jerry Farber, I always mention his name because he literally changed my life. He said, bro, you're a good looking dude. Why you curse so much? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, you should try learning how to work clean. You'll always work. And I was like, yeah. Okay. So that time I said I went back to the club and I got, I did my 10 minutes and I didn't get booed. Uh, I got through it and I was happy. But God was dealing with my heart and he was like, all right, so you got through it. But you didn't curse 
on stage, but you curse off stage. You're being phony, and you're hard on church people. Now, if I if a pastor did that, you would judge him. Mm-hmm. What makes you any different? Wow. And I realize that I need to master myself. I need to master my words because I'm around my mom. I naturally stop cursing. Sure. Around people I respected, I naturally stop cursing. I was like, let me figure it out. So uh. I stopped cursing, and I don't curse in my personal life. Um, but what made it make sense was when I got my job uh, as a dad on a Nickelodeon show, you know, when you interview, uh, audition, and they start asking you personal questions like, hey, so tell me about your comedy show. And I'm like, so do I need to audition again? They're like, no, tell me. We hear you're a comedian. Tell yeah. us what. They start asking me, and they say, we researched you, man. You are perfect for this job because Nickelodeon is very strict about their They're not going to let someone in there who can't. Yeah. They say you were absolutely perfect for it. And it reminded me of, okay, God looks like you stayed on the path, and this is what I have for you. And this is just the beginning because nobody occupies that lane. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He was yeah. like, this is what, and it was a breath of fresh air. Like, thank you, guy, for like letting me know that this is my path and for me to stick with it because it's frustrating being one of one because you don't get seen clearly. Yeah, for I've sure. I've auditioned for like Shaq All-Star and killed it. And they were like, yeah, he's not the brand. You know what I'm saying? Interesting, yeah. And I didn't do, I, I had one of the best sets and I didn't get advanced. And I was like, this is weird, but you know, what's for you is for you. Yeah, exactly. But and you don't know it in the moment. You take it personal because, you know, we artists, we sensitive. Of course, of course. So, yeah, tell me about it. We sensitive, man. So, uh, the, so yeah, you start doing the clean. Now, yeah, that, so what I was going to say is, like, people don't realize how hard that is. They just, wa- like, I'll watch a lot of comics who are clean, and I'll watch them go, like, oh, he's a clean comic. Like, everything about it seems sanitized just glued and clinical. And I'm like, oh, yeah. they're not trying to, but, like, you, like I said, I could watch you for half hour, and then... You know, he was completely clean. I'd be like, oh, I didn't even know that. I was just yeah, too busy yeah. laughing and appreciating what he was doing. So that is like a real, so yeah, it was a clean, personal, and you kill. So I was those groomed in the fire, bro. I was groomed in the fire, but this is my niche. And like, yeah. you know, I feel like Chappelle is really dope at, I call it the God eye. He'll look at how complicated this world is and make it sound so simple yeah. when he explains it to you. Mm-hmm. Like the most complicated stuff. Like he makes it sound simple. My gift is relationships. So when you see me perform, I have the gift of breaking down relationships in wow. a way where it's a little pastor, it's a little therapy, and it's a little comedy. Got it's it. all three of them. And you're like, wait, ouch, that kind of hurt. When I started, I got a joke about work husband. I was like, you know. Women, oh, wait, you have a joke about work? Because I husband. with them too, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, yo, <laughs> women, they announced the ugly dude. They, they, the ugly dude, when an ugly dude have a question on your woman, she'll announce that. She's like, oh my God, babe, some booger wolf tried to hit on me at work. Like, wow, he was so crazy. Like, he, at a red light. But then the guy she really liked, she never mentioned him. The work husband, they don't mention him. And I was like, fellas, you ever call your lady's job and she sound extra happy till she talk to you? You know what I'm saying? She's like, Clarence, will you get away with my cubicle crazy? Stop. No, you can't have my snacks. Stop. <laughs> hey, babe. Like, hey, babe, what? Where is it? You know what I'm saying? I was like, fellas, there's a man at your lady's job that know your woman whole food order by heart. Yeah. And I was like, fellas, never let another man know your lady's Starbucks order. And I go yeah. into it. You know what I'm saying? And I said, yeah. he's so good, he can tell by your lady's silence what kind of mood she in. Yeah. Because he got 40 to 50 hours a week to study a woman. You only got 10 hours a week mm-hmm. after she done with the kids. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like going in there and yeah. it divides the room. But then so I funny. start out being getting on guys first and we're like, tell him, tell him. And then when I switch, everybody in the whole room is divided. And I was like, this joke is only a problem if you're not living right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's where I go with it. But that's mm-hmm. my, that's why I've gotten it. So that's my gift is the relationship thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Have you thought about other ways that you could, is that, cause you did a Ted talk, which is really mm-hmm. amazing. I mean, even just. Like, is your podcast relationship advice? Helping yeah, relationship? yeah, yeah. It's personal growth for men because I oh, feel wow. like, especially in my culture, um, we're all taught to chase the dream, whatever the dream looks like, but we don't talk about sustaining it and what do you do to sustain it once you get it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. if you chase all this stuff and don't work on your character, when you up here, you got to hire somebody to speak on your behalf versus like just being a decent person and working on being a good man. And sometimes 
you know, that's why I hate the phrase toxic masculinity because every guy don't start in the same place. And sometimes we don't know we like live in trifling because we don't have a reference point. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. But once you learn and you want to change, it's up to you to figure that thing out. So my podcast is literally helping men figure that thing out and have a starting point for like, look, I know I'm a decent guy. I just need to know that this is okay. Because sometimes being decent is not popular anymore. Yeah. Just being a decent person. Yeah. Telling the girl, hey, look, go home. I'm not going to do this. Yeah. Are you gay? Like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. Like, I'm, I'm good. I've seen it. Like, I'm, I've seen enough. I'm like, I'm good. I've gotten cursed <laughs> out for being decent. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Time we're living. You tell, tell, tell a dude that you didn't smash a girl. He's like, why not? I'm like, bro, like, she cursed out a, a waitress. I don't want to deal with that. You know what I'm saying? Or she has, she's thick and cute, but she has no sense of humor. I'm a comedian. Yeah. My legacy is intact. Mm-hmm. She already has a temper. What, is, what does that look like? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I don't, for sure. So just being mindful of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because, man, we have power, too, but we give it away because we think we're supposed to smash everything. But in the end, I have a joke about uh, hoes don't make soup. <laughs> Bottom line, hoes don't make soup, and eventually you got to grow up. Yeah. Because you're collecting all these numbers, and then you get sick, and and COVID. Like, when you get sick yeah. of COVID, you go to the hospital, you can't have visitors. Uh-huh. Your funeral, you can't have visitors. Imagine yeah. dying during COVID and you can't, your family can't come see you and you have a funeral nobody can come to. Yeah. That's the end of your legacy. Exactly. And also, after age 75, all you can eat is soup for the most part, too. That's it. So you need Who's going to soup? make your soup? <laughs> How is it good for restraining orders and selfies? <laughs> That's it. That's great, man. I love that. <laughs> That's really, How long have you been doing the podcast for? Uh, we've been doing it for like at least two years, but my business partner, he's also a pastor, so he's busy. Oh, But yeah. we don't announce he's a pastor, but he's like... Like me, but times 20. Like, he's yeah. incredible with this thing. So, I'm, I'm like the orange juice to the medicine. He's the medicine. I'm the orange juice. I get so, that. I try yeah, to, yeah. like, soften it up uh-huh. and make it funny because he That's is awesome. intense. So, where do you go from here, Ron? Because you got, you know, you got the Chocolate Sunday, which is, you know, an amazing thing you're doing there. Mm-hmm. And and if you haven't seen it, you can see online. There's Zoom shows every Sunday night, right? Every Sunday, uh, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Who knows when it'll be uh, be live again, but hopefully in the next, maybe. We good, we good man. It's, it's, it's happening. Yeah, it'll happen. It's happening. Um, but check it, check it out on Zoom for sure. And you you got and you just did stage ring. You got more movies, TV shows. I got so much cool stuff happening since COVID. Yeah. Like for me, I've, so, I've been so blessed, bro. So Ron G, twenty twenty one is right then, right? I, I That's why that. I just wanted to know why you said <laughs> it. I always guessing. it's funny before it happened, bro. I had five producer callbacks like before COVID, like in what March, April, January, February, February pilot season. I had five producer callbacks, wow. and then COVID happened. But but I'm not worried about it because I'm, I'm I rather it happen after COVID than. Sure. Before, because people are gonna be thirsty for entertainment. You Absolutely. know what I'm saying? Um, but it's gonna happen. Like I feel it deep down. And I feel like my wife was the missing piece. I feel like I had mm. to have my wife to go where I need to go because my issue was women. Like that's my, you know, I'm it's a nice a, guy, yeah. but brings, I need somebody solid down. that I love. That's my buddy, my wife. We've gotten so close during COVID, and I feel like that was the missing piece. But I, I appreciate the kind words. You didn't have to say that, but no, I really I'm grateful, man. And I feel like you're one of those people too, man. Like. It may not come the way you want it to, but when it happens, it's going to be sweet because you did the work as well. Like, as an actor, I know you solid. I can tell you act out on stage. Like, you're so solid and dedicated. Like, I watch how you lock in. I'm like, everybody can't do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, this, the nuances of the stuff you do. And you've done the work, and you're so comfortable in your skin now. Like, I'm watching you become a grown man. Even though I'm a, a, a friend, I'm a fan too, and I watch you become a grown man. And when you literally stop caring, that's when everything happens. I know that crazy, right? When you stop caring. Yeah. I met my wife. I was done. I was like, yo, I don't. Yeah. I, I met my soulmate. The other shit, all these women that I've been chasing for years, <laughs> doesn't matter. Like, shit. Stand up got good. When I stopped caring, I'm like, yeah. I'm just going, like, Chocolate Sundays taught me. To, my wife was like, you're funny when you stop trying to write material because I love structure. I like, you know, shit. bam, bam. She's like, no, just talk. 
because I have enough wisdom and knowledge and life in me, I can just talk and find funny. So you can go up on stage, and I don't think I can do this yet, but you can go up on stage. It's happened to me before, and what happens, I'm like, <gasps> and I reach for it, and it disappears. Mm-hmm. Like, you can go up on stage and just talk without any preparation for 20 minutes and fucking kill, because I'm not there. I'm working on it. I have to trust myself, because I, I just love structure, and I'm always working on Like, your set is new until it's on TV. Yeah. So I have, like, four sets in rotation that I'm always working on. Um, and I'm adding to it. I'm adding to it. I'm adding beats to it, you know? But that thing of just walking on stage sometimes, it's scary. Yeah. It's scary, but I feel like I'm at my best when I really don't care. Yeah. And I got to trust it. But then when I'm off stage, I don't remember it anymore. And I'm like, <laughs> dang it, I said so much brilliant stuff. Can I get the tape? Anybody can ask for the tape? James yeah. like, no, you can't get the tape. I'm like, <laughs> buddy, buddy, no, no tape, no tape, buddy. No tape. I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. So, uh, all right, so uh, we've been here for a while, and you've been great, man. I want to ask a couple questions. Where, uh, where does it look like uh, the, the Ron G World Domination Tour? Where is it going from here? You have these shows. You have movies and TV shows happening, obviously. I guess we can't talk too much about some of them. Maybe you got a little Some I can, yeah. So uh, I just shot a movie uh, called Will You Be My Quarantine? Um, that was my, I shot a, a feature. Great title. Yeah, it was super dope. Um, then I shot a TV show called Stuck On You, uh, Stuck With You. Um, that's going to air soon Then I shot a national commercial Pandora commercial And I got my first director gig Nice man uh, Super excited about it How'd Nervous come about Nervous Bro Social media Since quarantine I, I want to direct so bad Bro it's my Somebody hit me They was like Yo we love your videos We just we. I said look I have not directed before They was like Don't worry about it We know you got it And I'm You're nervous. directing a TV show or No it's a short film Short film, but that's all it takes. Yeah, One short that's film. The first step. Once I learned the the nuances of it, and I've been studying screens and I've been watching a lot of um, uh, TV shows. Watching like you know the setup, the dramatic thing happens in the beginning, and then the mission happens, and then the whole show is the mission, and uh-huh. there's a twist, and then you call back what happened to be like I'm learning all that stuff. That's the stuff I wouldn't have had time to do pre quarantine. Yeah, quarantine has allowed me to you know work on my blind spots, which was social media, screenwriting, and now I'm going to be a freaking director. That's amazing, man. So it's happening. Yeah, that's really cool. And that's such a, such a great step for, um, I mean, not to make too fine a point on it, but like, you know, another black voice. Like black voices are, are yeah. being heralded right now and being supported, yeah. I think, in a way they haven't been before. So, um, And this is you, what we do. This yeah. As a comedian, there was a time where if you did a late night performance, that was it. You did a late night performance, your life, your, your life has changed. But now you have to be a writer, director, producer, mm-hmm. social media uh, yeah. Editor, you have to learn how to do so. Like you have to have a podcast. You learn how to edit your podcast, cut it. Learn how to distribute it. That like you have to learn how to pitch shows. Like it's not enough just to be funny anymore. So absolutely. Yeah. And so man. from there, the directing is awesome. The TV, the acting. What is what is like five years look like? Is there something that you go? Here's a pie in the sky thing for me. So I'm gonna have my own TV show that's gonna last for a long time because I feel like it's gonna be so specific and necessary to the culture. Uh, two, I'm gonna travel with my wife and we're gonna do relationship uh seminars with like books on, and stuff around the world around the world talking love to it. couples because again i, I love like it people get married man but don't nobody tell you nothing like when i was growing up in yeah. church people like hey you got to get married so you don't burn with desire or whatever it is like so you don't go to hell get married get married but they don't tell you what you need to do to sustain it yeah you, you know what i'm saying it. church people get divorced fast they get they get divorced because don't they don't give you the tools and so my wife we discuss our junk and how we got to this point and what we had to work on in order to sustain to have a relationship that's that can sustain COVID. That like being married and busy is different from being married and you on lockdown. It's different. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So 
that's going to be a thing. I'm going. To, my podcast is going to tour. That's going to be a thing where we have men in in, a, in huge coliseums about working on personal growth because they want to be better. They want a starting point because that's not talked about with men. We're not talked about to be vulnerable and in order to have intimacy, you got to do vulnerability and you're taught to be tough and be strong. And then we meet this woman who she want feelings that you ain't even touched before, and now you think you a sucker MC because you got to soften up and give her a party you just you, your dad didn't teach you about. So I want my podcast to be a, a part of that. Um, I'm going to direct. I'm have my own production company. Um, uh, I'm I'm going to act, and I'm going to do a bunch of white folk friendly movies where people are like, <laughs> oh my god, he's like the new Will Smith. I love that guy. He's so, I would take him home and meet him, let him meet my, well, my dad. Is there, is there a black actor you look towards and you go like, man, that is that is the career that I emulate, or that's the type of career I Will emulate. Smith. Will Smith. Will Smith is, yeah. is my guy. I just feel like what that that even though have you uh, met him yet. I haven't. I will. Yeah, you will. I'll meet him sure. one time. But yeah. I'm going to meet him when he knows who I am. Yeah. I, 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 I've met so many cool people and they don't know who I am. And I, don't, I just don't feel good. Like, hey, sure. I'm so-and-so. You're not going to remember <laughs> me, but just want to say hello. Yeah. I was at the comedy store. I sat right next to Eddie Murphy. And he was watching Chris Tucker perform. And I said nothing to him. Yeah. I said nothing. Everybody walked up. Oh, my God, you're the best. You're the greatest comedian there ever told a joke. They're, you're the great. And I'm sat, I just sat there like, cool. And I was nervous. As I wanted to say something. But I was like, he's not going to remember yeah. who I am. So... But yeah, man, I have so much stuff in my heart that I need to get out. And like you said, man, I just believe God's going to give me a huge platform to do all this stuff and give me a resources and good friend. I need good people in my space yeah. to help me bring all this stuff to life because I'm not one of those people that I can do it all by myself. Like my wife is dope. She literally helps me write. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm going to have good homies I can go on tour with. We yeah. all got families and we can bring our families on tour. Like I want to have... I feel like I never had that. I'm like a one-man crew. I've always done it by myself. Especially yeah. when you're decent. Most guys are like, oh, Ron G, the church dude. I don't want to. <laughs> like, man, I don't care. None of my business, you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about you, man? What's your dreams, man? What's your hopes and dreams, bro? about you. We can talk about after the man, after I shut up the thing. I want to know, Bill. Um, you're a very interesting guy, man. You have thanks, on a, man. a turtleneck and and and, <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> you have a turtleneck and pajamas on, man. I just feel it. Pajama I gotta tell you something. Black comics give me so much shit about my footwear. I remember I was doing a show in Long Beach and Maranzio Vance and Alonzo Bowden. I was wearing sandals. <laughs> They're like, motherfucker, you're going on stage with sandals. I was like, really? Yeah, like that is the most white privilege bullshit I've ever seen in my life. I was like, touche. You're probably right. Have you worn sandals since? Yeah, <laughs> of course you did. He's like, I'm white, of course. I feel weird about having my knees out on stage, man. That's hilarious. I dude. feel like people don't respect people that they love with knees out. Like you've never Funny. seen Obama's knees. You've never seen Doctor King's knees. Have you said that before on stage? That's no, hilarious. but I think I will. You've never seen Doctor King's knees. <laughs> That's hilarious. Nobody, <laughs> men that you respect, you never see their knees. If a cop with his knees out said, "Hey, get out of the car," <laughs> you'd be like, "Man, if you don't get out of my face, That's so on that ten funny, speed." <laughs> I did a joke because I grew, I did a, um, I had to play a white nationalist in a movie like a oh, month ago. Did that feel I, weird? Um, I was wondering. Yeah, how, yeah. I mean, we can talk about that. After, but okay, uh, right. I grew this. Did you have to go for it? You have to go for it? Goatee, you know, the fucking big ass oh, goatee. Ah, so funny. And I was walking around and someone said, I was like, oh man, you, you like a white supremacist? And I was like, I'm wearing skinny jeans. Do you think, how many white supremacists are wearing skinny jeans? You got on jeans, bands? <laughs> You got on Crocs. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, probably Crocs too. Um, listen, Ron, I'm gonna let you go, man. But uh, dude, you're awesome. I'm telling you, Ron G. He he's he's already a big thing. He's gonna be the bigger thing, the next next big thing in comedy. Uh, follow, ch go to Chocolate Sundays, the Zoom shows every Sunday. Ron Ron leads out like nobody can. And uh, check us out online. His uh, his Instagram is comedian Ron G. Please follow me, comedian R O N G. And every Thursday, me and my wife do a really dope game show called Couples Couch oh, nice. on Instagram. 
uh, super dope. If you uh, like your person, y'all have fun together, you feel like you know them pretty well, <laughs> hit me up, Comedian R-O-N-G. Uh, also my YouTube as well, but all that stuff is on my Instagram at Comedian R-O-N-G. Awesome. Thanks for coming, Ron. Thank you, bro. Thanks.